What is that champagne flute all about? Uh, it's the champagne you sent to me in a flute. <laughs> nice. We're being classy this evening. Nah, it's just the only alcohol I have in the house other than, um, like a shot of fireball. <laughs> I love pretending to like champagne. That is one of my favorite things in the world. Oh, it tastes like pencil shavings. I love champagne. Do you? You drinking the, the THC CBD soda? Or? That's right. The, mm-hmm. uh, the orange flavored weed soda. Which only tastes a little bit like plants. We keep shuffling. Now there's like an antique bed next to your recording situation. It's actually a case of I'm actually have the computer on an antique chair. Like <laughs> okay. a whole bunch of stuff has gotten moved out of the living room, and then I put we put some of it back because it was like, oh wait, now we we I don't know. I just need to get this floor project done already, and I've barely even, I haven't even ordered, I haven't even ordered the flooring and whatever, whatever. I'm not very, I'm not very good at, like, following through on things. Well, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm, I'm digging the, uh, who is it? Billy Bob Thornton has a, uh, has a phobia about old furniture. Huh, and uh, a phobia. He, he, he gives him the heebie. He, like, runs away from it. It's weird. And, um, when they were filming, uh... Love Actually with Hugh Grant. Um, Hugh found out about this dislike for antique furniture and it being in England, well, they had loads of it. And so he brought plenty to set whenever he could just to fuck with Billy Bob. I wonder what he does when... I guess he doesn't do any period pieces then. Uh, The last one was... God, probably The Man Who Wasn't There. And that was set in like the 50s. So... That's that's, That's not old enough for him? I guess not. Maybe it's hmm. the uh, maybe so mid century is okay. He's cool with mid century, but nothing before <laughs> then. Pre modern, post modern, antique. That's not gonna fly. No. Yeah, this. Uh, I, the- I can understand why old furniture is creepy. Whoever made this chair is dead a very long time ago. Whoever bought the <laughs> chair is also dead a very long time ago. Most of the people who've sat in the chair, in fact, are probably dead. And yet the chair persists. And yet the chair persists. Which is more important, the art or the artist? Hmm. It's a nice chair. <laughs> Talking about something that came out of an assembly line. Oh, Chair Crusher 5000, we sure miss you. Shall we read a poem from A Light in the Attic? Hello, all, and welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. <laughs> I'm Lauren. I have my computer on an antique chair. Oh, don't worry. I'm leaving all that in. <laughs> oh, good. So have you ever been to a pub that didn't have, like it wasn't a dive bar, but it had dive bar energy, if not for one complicating factor? Yes. Tell me, did you ever see anything interesting transpire at yours? Uh, I mean, there are a lot of places that are sort of dive bars, but are not dive bars for a complicating factor. And But those factors are all different. And that's actually kind of Portland's aesthetic in a lot of ways. Mm, it's like okay. dive bar, but not quite. <laughs> dive bar, but the chicken fingers are $25. Yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. Uh, well, this is, this is the story of a dive bar that is not, mm. uh, that I happen to stumble across during Snowmageddon. And I walked by my pub, which was unsurprisingly very closed, and not a sidewalk shoveled, not a light on indoors. And so I continued onward, 
And I live next to a very large hockey facility or like ice skating or just a lot of skating rinks is what it is. But like all the schools come there to play hockey and they have like tournaments on the weekends and crap like that. And come to find out there is a bar in this facility. Like they serve food and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it has all the feelings of a dive bar. Like the food, like the grease for the frying has not been changed ever. <laughs> I'm sure. Like I, I think they have like a per- perpetual stew working back there. But and, with grease. Yes. And all of the beers. That'll, that's, sensi- that's a fire hazard. Probably. I don't <laughs> think they care. Uh, all the beers are cheap as chips. All the food is cheap as chips. And it's pretty well maintained. Like, it's not hard. It's not difficult on the eyes and the the light bulbs work and that kind of thing. Is the maintenance why it's not a dive bar? The the why it's not a dive bar, and I would find this out, is because it's run by the city. And I'm not familiar with this as a concept of like like a city running a bar. But it's part of the hockey facility, which is owned by the city. And so the people who work there don't work for the bar. They work for the city. And they're just employed at this location. Hmm. That's so interesting because in the U.S. they would have, you know, maybe the city would own the sports arena, which actually, no, they probably wouldn't. But they would contract with a private company to do the bar. Indeed. That's that's the system that I'm more familiar with. But come to find out, I was like, how have these people, like, worked here for so long? So I've, I've talked to some of the staff, and it's like, yeah, I've been here 15 years. I've been here 25 years. And it's like, at one bar? Like, there's no way this makes any sense. But then I found out they're unionized through mm-hmm. the city. And they can get away with murder. And unless they, like, physically assault someone... They can treat people like trash, and no one cares. And so, by way of example, uh, a regular comes in. But I say regular uh-huh. in quotey fingers in that no one is happy to see him. And they're being <laughs> very visible about it. <laughs> yes, okay. And after hearing him interact, I'm pretty sure he has a touch of the Spurg in him. Mm. And he orders something, they bring it to him, and... I'm chatting with one of the bartenders. Well, all of the bartenders there are conventionally attractive. Mm. But like, even if they're up in years, you know, it's like if you have someone who's 50 years old, but they spend three hours a day in the gym, it's like you're going to look good no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking with one of them, and he's giving me the stink eye. And it's like, okay, <laughs> don't know what the story is What did is you here. do to deserve that? Well, apparently I was chatting with his favorite. And so... He, like, calls her over and kind of under his breath is like, why are you ignoring me? Mm. And she lights into him. The whole Mm. pub turns to see. And she's like, (laughs) no, did you feel rejected? I'm so sorry. And, like, just vitriol dripping off of every word. And eventually, like, once she's mean enough to him, he kind of gets the message and wanders away. But what an asshole. He is a regular, and he does this all the time, Ugh. but he also tries to skip out on tabs. Ugh, he's the worst! And so he's like the absolute worst. I was like, damn, you gave it to him. And she's like, and I'm going to do it again the next time I see him. I was like, oh, wait, and they're not in trouble. They don't have to worry about their jobs at all. 
I don't think like, they would have to worry about that at a private institution neither. Like this guy is not great for business if he doesn't pay his own tabs and nobody wants him around. And I'm pretty sure at a private place they'd probably have more reason to kick him out. They don't have a bouncer though. Mm-hmm. From time to time the GM shows up and he's every bit like the rest of the staff. Like you can't get a word in edgewise. Likes to show you photos of things. Yeah. <laughs> But this has definitely made my short list of new places that I like. I should come up and see all these places. You really, you're in a suburb, but you really utilize the suburb a lot better than I do my own city. <laughs> I just have a lot of places that I like. Mm-hmm. But like my third space is always restaurants or pubs. Yeah. Well, what are we talking about today? Let's talk about ladies first. Woo. Pamela Purse yelled, Ladies first, pushing in front of the ice cream line. Pamela Purse yelled, ladies first, grabbing the ketchup at dinner time. Climbing on the morning bus, she'd shove right by all of us. And there'd be a tiff or a fight or a fuss when Pamela Purse yelled, ladies first. Pamela Purse screamed, ladies first, when we went off on our jungle trip. Pamela Purse said her thirst was worse and guzzled our water every sip and when we got grabbed by that wild savage band who tied us together and made us all stand in a long line in front of the king of the land a cannibal known as fry him up dan who sat on his throne in a bib so grand with a lick of his lips and a fork in his hand as he tried to decide who'd be the first in the pan from the back of the line in that shrill voice of hers Pamela Purse yelled, ladies first. And there is an illustration and it's a little girl uh, holding up one finger, like kind of like a number one and shouting. And then a large blobby kind of guy with not wearing a ton of clothing in a throne with skulls on the back of the throne. Also, the blobby guy has a fork and a knife. Fry him up, Dan. That, I don't know what that came from, but it definitely sounds like a Mad Max character. Well, Mad Max is not in a jungle, but I agree. I think the whole thing with Mad Max is it's very deserty. Of Cannibals, De Cannibales, written circa 1580, is an essay, one of those in the collection essays by Michel de Montaigne, describing mm-hmm. the ceremonies of the Montaigne people. I'm sorry? Montaigne, known as the father of the modern essay or whatever. Wank, wank, wank. Wank, wank, wank. In particular, he reported about how the group ceremoniously ate the bodies of their dead enemies as a matter of honor. In his work, he uses cultural relativism and compares the cannibalism to the barbarianism of 16th century Europe. Uh, it is also, interestingly, the originator of the noble savage motif. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that the noble savage motif had anything to do with cannibalism. Start out that way, doesn't now? Mm hmm. Well, Ladies First, in the back of the book, it says Ladies First is based on a story of mine with the same title. Copyright 1974, Free to Me Foundation Incorporated. So it's like, okay, I kind of remember hearing something about Free to Be You and Me. So I was like, let's 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 find out more about this original story. Okay. And it kind of has a different. It's kind of a different tale. <gasps> I'm interested. All right. 
So at least I feel like the moral of the story is a little different. Let me get it to you. Because it's like, I mean, the poem is pretty easy. Don't be pushy, but. Yeah, the poem's like, don't be pushy. It's a YouTube link. Mm hmm. What do we got? Today, creamed tuna. <laughs> uh, also, I love today, the hyphenated. Yeah. <laughs> well, so far, I'm seeing the same motif. Don't be pushy. All the kids so I, seem to like this version of. Right. So it's not just. In this one, it's like. They're, so the whole free to be you and me was yeah. about. It was a feminist project that was about like questioning gender roles and what a woman or a man or a girl or boy should be and how much flexibility they had in those gender roles and so in the ladies first it's in our in the poem it's just kind of a brat she's just kind of a brat Uh and then in this ladies first cartoon that we're looking at uh it's about this I mean, she's also still a bitch, but also, like, it's about her having this gender role as being, that's what's important about her, is she very specifically fills this gender role perfectly. Yeah. There was a lot more attention given to yeah. her style of dress and her ultra ladylikeness. Yes. That's the word. Yeah. And it looks like she still ends up in the same place, except instead of cannibals capturing her, it seems to be tigers wearing soccer kit yeah i was gonna think like rugby uniforms or something (laughs) so is she does she end up in the pot for being this hyper feminine thing yes yes there you go so don't be too much woman looking at you rupaul (laughs) oh look at this youtube comment this taught me at a very early age that being a karen never pays off (laughs) well (laughs) <laughs> and then the very next one down what's the point of having the tigers all dressed are they part of a team <laughs> ladies first into the lesbian cougar bone broth well there you go there you go so i identify as a bitchy woman <laughs> so the free to be you and me project had uh, an album that came out first that had this Story read um, by Marlo Thomas, who is an actress and author. Mm-hmm. And that's who's reading what we just heard. Uh, and so, uh, first it was an album that had actually two things of Shel Silverstein. It had uh, this lady's first, and then it also had the poem Helping, which we read in the last. Yeah, it's, uh, got, a, the, it's got a few. The last season, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I believe that poem was about how uh, some help is just not very welcome. Hmm. The basic concept was to... uh, This is the wiki on Free to Be, You and Me. Uh, The basic concept was to encourage post-60s gender neutrality, saluting values such as individuality, tolerance, and comfort within one's identity. A major thematic message is that anyone can achieve anything. Well, there you go. Yeah. Although so, uh, so this one, so this poem. If you're wearing dresses, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's can be a bit of a thing. Is that a lot of these, especially earlier uh, arguments for uh, gender neutrality and gender equality and such like that, is that a lot of times it goes like 
uh feminine stuff is icky and they do kind sort of, of, yeah yeah and that was definitely the message i absorbed in my childhood like oh don't do things that are girl like and it wasn't until i was a teen that i was like wait i fucking love pink and like sparkles and like bows and frills and things like that like i stopped doing them because i interpreted and received the message that doing girly things was not it was lesser and not a good thing and it mean and it meant that you couldn't be adventurous and sporty or scientific or whatever uh which is false you can actually do these things it is a little harder to be adventurous in frills i gotta say but i have done it you just have to be okay with totally messing it up Free to be you, as long as you're a fucking man with big man hands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's not saying that like ma- like masculinity is good. It's just, but it's just saying that there are a lot yeah. of these these uh, supposed male traits that are what you should aspire to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And as with any trait, some good, some bad. Yeah. I, I told you, I've mentioned it on this podcast before that my little niece watched Doc Stuffins for, you know, however long little kids are so are obsessed with things. And Not very long. And her takeaway from it was that all black people are doctors. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, you did tell me that story. That was cute. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean... Yeah, you just go with that. Ro- yeah, roll with that. That's the yeah, go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of benign ra- racism, but also like eh, very benign. <laughs> <laughs> benign racism. <laughs> well, I didn't have a ton more to say about it other than that I was like, "Oh, it's interesting this was included in a different project." And then he changed it to be more of his style for this book. I wonder why oh, wow. he felt the need to, to do two different versions. Like, why? What was it about uh, Ladies First that he did for Free to Be that he was like, actually, I have a sillier version of it that I want to do. Actually, you know what? I can probably guess what that was. My guess mm. is that he sort of brought this up first, and they were like, I kind of like the idea, but can we do a little more, little more this way? And then he was like, fine, but he really liked his original one better. So it may have been editors. Editors mm. may have been the thing. But also what I know, he wasn't super like, he didn't, like, he had, he got good relationships with his editors, but I also don't think they, they uh, coached him very much. Hmm. It's interesting that the Wikipedia has a summary of what happens in this album. Wow, this is weird. Or I guess uh, the, the album and the video. I mean, so Free to Be came out when, uh, like, 1974. Oh. I'm getting it. So, so it it's like... not it's not super far off when we were children. Like it would have been the sort of things that maybe like you and I didn't have older siblings, but maybe one's older sibling might have been into or something like that. Huh. Okay, so this is the the writers are all over the place for this. It's mm-hmm. and there were only producers that are credited for free to be you and me. There are some names on there that are easily recognizable. Oh, Who's yeah, Michael Jackson. Yeah, he would have wanted to be on this album, wouldn't he? Uh, there's uh, Mel Brooks, Carol Channing, uh, Dustin Hoffman, also Michael Jackson, Chris Christopherson, uh, Diane Warwick. Those are all ones that I recognize. Well, how many of them? Only one, I think, 
Oh, Harry Belafonte, I know I've heard of. I don't remember who he is, though. Yeah, of Singer. Yeah, I can only identify one known pedophile on this list. (laughs) Is that that, uh, Michael Jackson? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Although he was quite young at the time. Oh, okay. I don't know what age. (laughs) Would you... Was he an adult? Uh, I am not sure. If as long as he was an adult, then it's a problem. It's the old "Would you go back in time to kill Hitler?" Huh? There you go. <laughs> would he grow up to be a pedophile if he hadn't done "Free to Be You and Me"? Hmm. Oh my gosh! Why? Guess, how do you come up with that? Guess, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how things work in Hollywood. <laughs> oh come on! They only got one of the Smothers Brothers. Oh, that sucks. What's a Smother Brother? <laughs> it was they were brothers who were a double act oh so the two brothers it seems like there yeah. should be more than two if you're gonna call something the smothers brothers well it was dick and tom and was their last name smothers yes hmm. they had a show for a while primarily musicians and comedians and are they still alive uh oh yeah tom tom died really recently dick is still alive however <laughs> Oh, why did that mean? <laughs> Good news, everybody. Dick's still alive. <laughs> if you're going down to the pub tonight, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> Which Smothers brother do we got? Dick. <laughs> he uh, smothers you with his dick. I was going to say, it's even like a command. Dick yeah. smothers. <laughs> yeah. How many spell slots? I does mean, that that's take a up? sentence. That's a sentence. Dick Smothers. Uh, Dick Smothers. It's a sentence. <laughs> it's definitely a like a like a subtopic on Pornhub <laughs> category. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, do, do we have any actually uplifting thoughts? Oh, hey! Dick again. Any further uplifting thoughts that aren't Dick? <laughs> um, um. I mean, oh, my cat just did an adorable stretch. Oh, she's so cute. Oh, sleepy Minerva. She's an evil, evil little beast, but I love her.